But seriously, Nev, like, how are you holding for cash? I'm a bit bloody broke. Listen, mate, what are you talking about? Cash. There's no cash here. Here, there's no cash, all right? Cash, no. Robbo? No cash. I'll tell you what. You try getting from where you're sitting to the front door. Because I reckon I could shoot you from where you're sitting to the front door. Because that's about as long as you've got to produce some money for me right now. I'll give you 20 seconds to produce some cash or I'll fucking shoot you. One... Two, I've got three, no cash, mate. Four, five, five, Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. It's a Saturday morning in Sydney and a Friday night in New York City. And maybe like Tuesday morning, where, wherever you are, or, or beyond. Who knows? T- time is Who knows? Time is a constant. It's, um, you know, a constant time. <laughs> is that an astute? Maybe I'll give you an astute for that. Yeah, there well, people don't come to hear about the philosophies, fortunately. They sure don't. They've, they've got their philosophy <laughs> podcast. No one knows what they come for. They come to be reminded of things, I believe. Reminded of things, yeah. And I guess 60% of our audience may not have seen this film because it's it's an Aussie one. Yeah. And it's not available in the US. Yeah. I had to, I had to pretend I was in Australia to be able to watch it. So apologies. Yeah. This is the 39%. And the others that was an upsetting reality, wasn't it? We were this. We we were doing this film. We were excited about. Well, for a lot of Australians who listen, this is this was probably a big movie. Um, So yeah, fun. But also, we wanted to introduce a lot of people to this movie. Yeah, big time. Would you say our plans have been foiled? Straight up foiled. It's a foiling. We're in the midst of a foiling. They've been they've been aluminum. They've been aluminumed. It's it's so strong. It's so structurally integrated. I can't just simply poke out. <laughs> but man, yeah, man, we had the Q and A episode, and there was a good question about Aussie films, and it sparked a bit of banter on the on the socials. And I thought, oh, well, you know, great, let's do Chopper because let's share that with the world. It's got it's got Eric Banner at, at his. Mm. I don't want to say peak because maybe he hasn't peaked yet, but it's it's showing all his tricks in one film. I would describe it as his metamorphosis. Yeah, yeah, he's like, yeah, he's, he's in his... A violent butterfly. He emerged, emerged a butterfly, yeah, exactly. Um, but I would say if, if you are listening to this and you haven't watched the movie, do not fret because I feel like this movie is not all that spoilery. Yeah. It's not like much plot-wise. It's more just a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's more about the character and the... And the the short stories almost that surround it. The, this, the dialogue. The dialogue especially. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, come on, Keith. You should thank me. you got to hit that knees regular panel beating. So, yeah, don't worry too much if you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. And so, so stick around. Yeah, that's And that's, hopefully that's, you can eventually yeah, see it. That's astute. But, um, but before we get into it, Greg. You remember Barry, mate? Year 2000. Year 2000. I think we've been here once before at least. 
Um, for what? I don't know off the top of my head. But we are in the year 2000. Um, my first year out of high school, I turned 18 in this year. You were probably in like year 10 or something, a couple of years behind me. Uh, year Sydney 11. Ol- year 11. Sydney Olympics. Yeah. It was, a lot go- it was a big year for many things. It was massive. Amongst those things, it was a big year for Carlos Santana. What do you know about Carlos Santana, Tristan? I didn't know much until 2000, I tell you what. We <laughs> right? paired up with that delightful <laughs> Rob Thomas <laughs> and that Maria Maria song. Oh, Both of those songs. Right? Fire. Maria Maria. Yeah. That's not, I used to think that was Usher when I was in the year 2000. It's not. It's some guy. <laughs> some guy. Who is it? It's some guy. guy. Like, it's not even like, oh man, I, I looked it up. It says it's written by Wyclef and Jerry Wonder Duplass. But the guy that sings it, I couldn't seem to track him down too much. Damn. Which is weird because he's, yeah, he's great. Great song. And she reminds him of a West Side Story growing up in Spanish Harlem. Um, So, obviously, track seven of Supernatural. So Carlos Santana, as we've all learned, some of you may have known already, for us in 99, we didn't. It was the DJ Khaled of 2000, really. Another one. Did, oh, that's interesting. He did like saying his name a lot. <laughs> I, feel like that, I feel like that's an insult. I just mean because he released these albums, because I think there were a couple more after where I know he's a he does other things, but but in terms of how we came across him, it's these albums with other people on it, and he's, he's in there and, you know. Sorry, I interrupted you. That's okay. That's what we're not interrupting. You're ending. You're yes, ending Carlos Santana, um, <laughs> who is a guitar lord um, and had a huge existing catalogue of music and was very famous um, before that, but yeah. just not to us teenagers at the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but man, yeah. he can make that guitar sing. Um, very distinctive style. This album went nuts. It actually got released. In 99, but I think Smooth and Maria Maria were... Smooth was huge. Like he single-handedly almost made Rob Thomas cool for a moment. Yeah, well, he did in my household. My mother had a big crush on Rob Thomas. Oh, yeah? It became like a running joke in the household. And he sees a cut? (laughs) Yeah, that was a very... Of the time of a very specific sector of culture... (laughs) Look, wasn't it? <laughs> I never really understood that haircut. Uh, yeah. But um, um, yeah. It was a thing. I mean, I certainly don't now. <laughs> well, I'd kill for a Caesar cut. Requires a fringe, Tristan. Requires a fringe, which I've, <laughs> which I've not had for many years. <laughs> Rob Thomas. I, I, <laughs> ironically or coincidentally, I was, at a, um, I was at a hairdresser in my youth and um, – Oh, yeah. I was reading an article in GQ about Rob Tom, like interviewing Rob Thomas. Yeah. And it was so lame. He was basically, it was a four page whinge from Rob Thomas to this um, journo, this musical journo. 
about how right. he's not accepted in the celebrity community. <laughs> really? Yeah. And he was basic. Uh, the, uh, the only thing I remember is that it was a whinge and that he, he talks, he was telling this story about how he approached uh, Leo DiCaprio at the time. This must have been early right. 90s. And, um, and was like, hey, man, you know, fucking love your movies, bro, type thing. And Leo just didn't really want to hang out with him. Oh. He's like, eh, thanks, mate. And brushed him and he's like, man, Leo brushed me. And I was like, I really liked Leo, but he didn't like me. <laughs> I was like, oh, mate, <laughs> other people might like you. Like, come on. <laughs> and you, sorry, you read this at the time too. So this is a young Greg already noticing that this is not – Good human behavior. This is not a benefit of hindsight thing. This is a straight up like yeah. this guy seems a bit weird. Yeah, he's a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? But, you know, Carlos had a good crack at making him cool because that was a pretty cool song. Uh, I think it did very that well. That was cool, yeah. That album did very well. It, it smashed huge. all kinds of records. It actually won the most Grammys ever, Supernatural. I don't know if Whoa. it's still to this day and I'm sure friend of the show – and music lord T- Tony Smythe is listening, going, uh, guys, come on, <laughs> this is this is soft territory. But I don't know. But I'm at the time it was the most. It overtook like what, what like off the wall or Thriller, probably Thriller. <laughs> how good's my research? How good's my research here? Um, <laughs> as the most Grammys, how many you ask? Good question. Uh, I'm not here to talk about eighteen. Yeah, let's go eighteen. I don't know. I don't know. It was a lot. Many. It was a lot. Yeah. Good songs though. They're the only two I remember. But uh, Yeah. I uh, yeah. There's a lot of people on that album. I Have a listen today. Why not? Have a listen today I would be my suggestion. I saw Sander live at uh, something. Really? Yeah. Were you like a Santana concert or just at a something Santana else? A Santana concert. I think I got last minute tickets through work. Ah, uh, yeah. And I can't remember who I took. So whoever, if it's a good friend of the show, they're listening going, you... Bastard, that was a special night for you me. Motherfucker. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, he's cool. He's real cool. Big year for Santana, big year for Rob Thomas, big year for that other guy on Maria Maria. Mm, that's not Usher. It's not Usher. Um, it's probably a big year for Usher too though. Yeah, I think that's well, why that's I thought it was him. for another time. Yeah. Watch this. <laughs> How good is that meme? Have you, have you seen yeah, that? Yeah, it's my favorite. Yeah. It's my favorite video meme right now. Is the one? It's his. Uh, Usher yeah. at Tony. Is it Tony Desk concert? Yeah. And he's yeah. Like, and it's great. Watch this. And he's doing this little. Watch this. <laughs> I loved that album growing up. Me and Brian used to like dance to it and stuff. And yeah, it sing was. A, it and, it's seminal. It's seminal, and and that Tiny Desk concert. Doing that album was sick. Yeah, watch it was. that. That's fucking good, man. If you That's haven't, good. if you haven't, again after you finish <laughs> with Smooth today, go and watch um, <laughs> NPR Tiny Desk concert. Usher doing Confessions. It'll it'll make your day. And it absolutely will. And I tell you what, spoiler alert, but I've got more musical recommendations coming up. Oh, in, that's uh, nice. Later in the episode, you thought people so, were like, "Hey, guys, we did Grease, Grease last week." No music, like wrong. Yeah, you're wrong. There's even more music in this episode than the last episode. There you go. Um, you better, sh- you better yeah, big, shake up. Big year for Maria Santana, Rob. Shape up. And the other guy. Big year for movies too. We had number one, the box office that year was Mission Impossible Two. Number two, Gladiator. Number three, Castaway. 
Number four, what women want. And a bunch of them. Oh, X-Men was that year too. The Perfect Storm. Oh, yeah. All right, like I like that movie. That was what's his name, right? Got to get the pay dirt. Willie, Willie Fitch is in it. Yeah, Fickner's in there. What's his name? What's the director's name? Uh, Wolfgang Wolfgang Peterson, R.I.P. Oh, did he die? He, he died like last week. Oh. Yeah. He also directed Eric Banner in Troy. Oh, there you go. This came full circle. Full circle. That's what I do. Connect the dots, man. Well, I was just going to unconnect it by saying R.I.P. to Nat, who ran the beach pit for many years in um, Beverly Hills. Oh, yeah. Water. He passed. Well, I learned, Greg, that it wasn't, it wasn't the beach pit. It was the peach pit. Yeah. I I learned that uh, when I rewatched 90210 a few years ago. The whole, this whole time I thought it was the beach pit because, I don't know, they're near the beach. But it was the peach pit, as in like the seed of a peach, which bears no relevance on in any geography of that postcode. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the old Beverly Hills peach, is that a thing? I don't know. The pit? Isn't it the pip? Pit. Is the what? <laughs> Craig's face is very like this is the middle it's a of a pit. Like the the seed is a pit. P I T. Isn't it a P I T T? I thought it was a pip. Uh, but now when I search it, that guy comes up. <laughs> what guy? That's so funny. Hang on, uh, Tristan. This is important. I know we, we're here to talk about movies, but there's an issue if I've been thinking that the middle bit of a bit of fruit is called a pip when it's a pit. Wait, now it says, when I Googled it, it says stone. Oh, no, yeah, pit. It's a pit with a T, one T. Well, what's a pip? Is a pip a thing? (laughs) (laughs) What's a pip? What's a pip, Tristan? Why is the seed of a peach called a pit? A seed is an ovule containing an embryo while a pit is... Is the part of the fruit that protects the seed. Ah. But what's a pip? So it still has a seed in there. What's a pip then? I'm Googling pip. Oh, it's the package no for knowing. Python. It's coding. Um, okay, well, look, we're going to have to move on because time is a constant. <laughs> um, but I just don't have closure, I guess, is where we're leaving this. I'm baffled. Fair enough. You know what? Uh, we're an astute podcast, Greg, and, and sometimes we raise questions and we don't fully resolve them, and that's okay because we want to mm. leave you thinking. Yeah, that's right. Pit? pit? We're, no, we're no Dr. Carl. We're no Dr. Carl, that's for Deb sure. Um, now, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of movies that came out in, in the year 2000, some yeah. good ones, some bad ones, Gone in 60 Seconds, that's probably the last 2000 we did. Oh, X-Men, What Lies Beneath, Scary Movie, The Patriot, Miss Congeniality, the list goes on. The list goes on all the way down to a number that I'm not sure of because this film did not get wide release, so not really in the top 100 or, or 200 so much, um, but a good film nonetheless, an impactful film nonetheless. Oh, for yeah. Some young men growing oh, up in Australia. Oh, how do you right do here. A little film called Chopper. Oh, give me land, lots of land Under starry skies above don't fence me in Let me ride through the wide Open country that I love Don't fence me in Hello? Hello, fucking hello Came out somewhere in the middle of 
2000. Couldn't find the budget, but a gross, gross box office of around $4 million, which in Australia is significant, just FYI. <laughs> Goes a long way over here. Coffees are 30 cents. Yeah. Um, Run Tomatoes scores. Critic scores 76%, audience score 89%. Consensus reads as follows. Eric Banner's performance as the charming but twisted chopper is the highlight of this disturbing portrait about Australia's notorious author slash criminal. Author slash criminal. Author slash I don't criminal. see that on LinkedIn very often. Yeah. Not a criminal slash author. <laughs> I want to be an actor slash model, not a model slash actor. <laughs> not the other way around. I want to be an author slash criminal, not a criminal slash author. <laughs> That's all you can hope for. Was this a big movie for you, Greg? Um, absolutely. Yeah, fuck yeah, it was. Uh, absolutely. So you really can't underestimate or undercook the significance that this or just the impact that this film had to teenage men particularly in Australia. Yeah. Right? This was like up there with, with Fight Club for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. We quoted this thing to death. So as I said earlier, I was just out of high school. Everyone had a chopper impersonation. Everyone quoted this film. Yeah. It was always hilarious. Yeah. It, it was. It was. You really can't underbake the significance of Chopper um, to it was to, Aussie, huge. to Aussie culture. Yeah. Right. I'm assuming. I'm assuming it's the same for you. Yeah, I can't really remember the first time I saw it, but it must have been DVD. Like I don't think I saw it at cinema, but it was significant. I know we we talked about Two Hands before, and how that Two Hands was kind of that, um, or at least the way we. I've chosen to remember it, felt like a, a big step for Australian cinema for teenage boys who wanted something darker and grittier. Yep. Um, you know, us. it wasn't Priscilla or Muriel. You know, yeah. it was kind of a big deal. Um, you know, the UK got their, their lock stock and then the US had Tarantino and we, we got two hands and we're like, we can do this. We've got stuff. Yeah. We've got a, we got a dark and gritty underbelly. We got, we got gangsters. Yeah. And so this will come a year later. And and just continue that, and and it was it just really hit the spot, man. And you know, this is I was year eleven, so I maybe not quite film student Tristan, but definitely like pretentious enough to like really take this thing very seriously. <laughs> it, you you were maybe it was it was part of the genesis of film student Tristan. Maybe it was, yeah. There's a very film studenty aesthetic to this film. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but you know, it's very, you know. It was a little different. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a little different, unusual. Unusual? Unusual. And I think I may have even went on, gone on to read one of Chopper's books because as I was researching. Oh, you have. I think so because as I was researching, maybe just one of them because, yeah, as I was, you know, yeah, going through Chopper's Wikipedia page and such, as in the person, not the movie. I was reading through it and all these things were ringing bells and it wasn't in the movie and I was like, fuck, I think I read that. Where, did I, where would I have read that? Shit, maybe I got the book. Maybe I was one of 500,000 people that bought the book. And then, you know, it, like you said, it would just became like almost Borat in its, in its you know, ubiquitous impersonation, shorthand banter, but maybe even more akin to The Simpsons where you can just drop these quotes and the other person knows what you're talking about. I get you could just, mm-hmm. they just were. Yep. <laughs> just instantly entered the vernacular. Yeah. So much of it. 
Yeah. Even more than I realized. You know, uh-huh. Talk about that in the rewatch. But even yeah. more than I realized, man, fuck so much. Almost every single line. <laughs> it's pretty crazy, isn't it? Uh, big movie. Huge movie. Well, should I get into the origin story? I'm pretty keen. Yeah, I've, I've um, intentionally um, didn't do any reading on this because I was just kind of interested to hear Ooh. it for the first time from you, Tristan. All right. Well, strap yourselves in. Origin story. If you're driving, we suggest you do strap yourself in because it's safe <laughs> and it makes that yeah. beeping. And noise. if you're driving for more than two hours, pull over, have a cup of tea, stop, revive, survive. Ideally, in an Amy Rest Town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get a pie. Oh yeah, oh, pies. Fuck, I miss. I haven't had a pie in a while. Fuck. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> Watching Chopper, talking about pies. I'm getting homesick, uh, Greg. Oh, we miss you about down under. Anyway. Uh, well, anyway, this movie is based on a true story. Or is it? I guess that's <laughs> that's the thing with um, Mark Brandon Reed, a.k.a. Mark Chopper Reed. He's, he's a little bit like um, Australia's Frank Dukes in a way where he tells a lot of stories and you never know how many of them are true. You know, like there's maybe half of them are true. You just kind of don't know which half. Mm -hmm. Um, But I guess the way he's kind of positioned himself in Australian culture is very much, uh, I was thinking almost, uh, you know, Omar in The Wire is probably how he thinks of himself a little bit because he says, you know, he only only goes for criminals and, you know, Mm. they're making money off heroin. Why can't I have a little bit of that? Yeah. If you're if you're a good person, you don't have to worry about Uncle Chop. The, the average bloody uh, Joe on the street, they don't have to worry about Chopper Reed. He's got bloody nothing to worry about. He's got nothing to worry about. Yeah, it's a good. De- we can get into that debate hopefully a little later. Um, yeah, interested to hear your perspective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a few scenes that kind of tell me, yeah, no, maybe not the best guy in the world, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> So the details in his stories, you know, he always says you never let the truth get in the way of a good story. But um, there are some facts and the facts are this guy hadn't spent more than six months out of jail, you know, in a row um, since he was 16 uh, until when this movie came out. And actually even more specifically, he only spent 13 months total out of prison between the ages 20 and 38. Repeat that fact. Isn't that crazy? A year and a half out of prison in the best part of 20 years. What? Only a year and one month. There was only 13 months. Oh, sorry, months. 13 yeah. months. So you said 18. So basically a year. Yeah. Rounded down for effect. Yeah. Crazy, right? Oh, man. Crazy. And so, yeah, he uh, spent a lot of time in prison and, you know, decided to start writing books. I think they started as letters and then the first book was maybe a, you know, compilation of all the letters but the first one released in 1991 he kept going and eventually released I think 15 books or so uh, or 11 books maybe I don't know Mm -hmm. a few books 15 books yeah 15 books Um, but even post this movie so maybe like 10 before this movie and sold like 500,000 copies significant not bad that is significant a couple of other factoids, I guess, to paint a picture of this human. He was certified insane three times at the age of 15, 19, and 23. 
He claims to have killed 19 people and attempted to kill 11 others, although in more recent interviews before his death, he downgraded that number a little bit. Yeah, he says four or something now. Yeah, yeah, he passed away in 2013. And, you know, it would have been handy if I finished on the book thing here because, you know, the books were popular. And a young filmmaker by the name of Andrew Dominic thought the books were very, very interesting and he wanted to make a film about it, Mm. a film based on these books. And um, him and his production partner, Michelle Bennett, that's a producer he'd been collaborating with for a while on music videos and the like. And, um, in fact, in the early 90s, Dominic and Bennett, um, fuck Chopper's a bit like Bennett. Whoa. The real Chopper looks a bit like Bennett. Yeah. Yeah, shit. Yeah. Big time. Side note. Bennett, let off some steam. Of course, just as referring to. Fuck, imagine if Chopper played Bennett. The bad guy in. (laughs) That would be so good. Commando. Yeah. There was an Aussie bad guy in Commando who wore a chainmail vest. Um. Strangely Australian. Uh, looks, sounds like Chopper. What's his name again? You tried to get him on the Vern. show. Vern. We tried to get Vern on the show, didn't we? And I think he wanted money. <laughs> it sounded funny and I chickened out. It was in the early days yeah. and I was like, I don't know what to say to that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Continue. Anyway, Dominic and Bennett. <laughs> uh, Dominic and Bennett, so the writer, director and producer of this film, they made the video clip for – a wonderful little song called Fall at Your Feet by Crowded House. Oh, oh. How about that? Really? How about that? I can't replace But I they hadn't made it. a movie yet. The film um, but they did have this idea and they, they initially planned to base, you know, the script off the books, but they noticed that in the back of one of the books it had his whole arrest docket, which apparently showed, like, all the names of the cops who had arrested him, and um, they tracked them down and spoke to them and got all these stories. Mm. So not just from the books but from the from the cops that dealt with this guy. So interesting. I didn't know that. That's a, I, I, There's maybe a, a lot more truth to this film, to this script, than I maybe previously gave it credit for. Um, they did have contact with Chopper as well. Um, he didn't want to meet in person at first. I think something about wanting to keep – their impression of him pure or something. Like he didn't want to like burst the myth maybe. Um, So initially they were just talking through letters and uh, he had three things that, you know, absolutely could not be in the movie and they were drug usage, violence towards women and poetry. Hmm. And uh, all three ended up in there. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, but apparently it was a really long process. So, like, obviously all that research stage and dealing with Chopper who, you know, as if you've seen the film, is is not maybe the easiest person to work with. Um, It was a really long process. And um, part of that was even just legally there were a lot of issues with the script and, you know, what can you talk about or what can't you talk about and um, death threats. So people that thought they were going to be, you know, represented poorly in the film weren't necessarily for it and, you know, mysterious phone calls and that kind of shit. Oh, yeah. And as a result, you know, trying to get finance was pretty bloody hard. You know, no one wanted to fund this thing because it was bloody difficult. no one wanted to wake up dead. Enter Australian titan of music, Michael Gidinski, founder of Mushroom Records. Of course. 
Mr. Mushroom himself. Yeah, he recently filmed Mushroom Pictures. But Mushroom Sidebar for a second. There's going to be a lot of Aussie stuff in this episode. So if you're not if you're not one of uh, the Aussie friends of the show, if you're one of our much loved non-Australian friends of the show, hopefully you can enjoy this and hear some new names and you know Google some things and this is all interesting stuff. But Mushroom Records was was pretty significant in Australia, wouldn't you say, Greg? Oh, it's a it's a cultural powerhouse. Yeah, from from Christine Arnu, friend of the show, mm-hmm. to Jimmy Barnes. Nelly Furtado apparently was on Mushroom Records. Garbage, Paul Kelly, Kylie Minogue, Tony Perrin. <laughs> I've just chosen a bunch Do of random. It. Read my lips. Oh, no, that's Melissa Decourts. Was Melissa Decourts on it? <laughs> I feel like she would have to Split be. Split ends. Yothu Yindi. Oh. Skyhooks. Oh. Um, but anyway, with this guy involved, he was a force. He was like, we're fucking doing this thing. He was like, you know, really just pushed the thing to happen. I'm not sure... If he financed it or if he just hey, he got it done sold though, people right? on the idea or, yeah, yeah. Um, so getting into casting, you know, the film's on track. So, yeah, you know, what comes next, it's, it's, it's casting. And apparently it was Chopper's idea to cast Eric Banner. He, he mentioned the name first, apparently. Yeah. But there were other names in the mix. There was Richard Roxborough. Roxborough? Rox, oh, yeah. Roxburgh? yeah, yeah. How do you say that? Roxborough. yeah. He's good. He's great, yeah. Ben Mendelsohn. Oh, huge Ben Mendelsohn fan. Yeah, he's great. I don't know if Chopper's as intimidating with a lisp. Interesting observation. I think it might have been a bridge it, it might have been a bridge too far on the on the on the weight front. Yeah, that's the thing. He's, I he's can't quite, imagine. He's quite him. a lean he's quite a lean man. Yeah. Russell Crowe was in the mix too. He absolutely could have done it. Uh-huh. I don't know. Not, not as interesting of a choice, but maybe an obvious choice. Um, and Simon Linden. So he's the guy that went on to play Jimmy. Mm, Jimmy Luffman, your mate, Jimmy Luffman. Took him from tears to fucking glory. I put it to you. <laughs> There's no. He presented himself in court. That's insane. Anyway, <laughs> I thought he did a great job too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, fuck. We'll talk a bit more about that later. <laughs> um, <laughs> I put it to you. Yeah, I might find out to you. Um, <laughs> a nasally man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it seems like an obvious choice now, right? It seems like Eric Banner, yeah, the party was born to play. Not so much at the time because, as we all know, he was a sketch comedy guy on a little show called Full Frontal. Uh-huh. He'd done a couple other comedies like The Nugget and then and, and, uh, The Castle. Mm-hmm. He got this one channel, kickboxing 24 hours a day. What's that? <laughs> you know how he's into his kickboxing? He's like they come back from their honeymoon in Thailand in the castle, and he's like, they, "Oh yeah, and they're yeah, just telling yeah, about yeah. TV and the movies they watched on the plane and stuff." And it's like they've got this one channel, twenty four hours kickboxing a day. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching a clip from that today because I was watching him. Um, it was like oh. Eric Banner talking through his iconic roles or whatever one of those videos, and it talked about that. Oh, was it that or something? I don't know. I saw him talking about the castle. I was like, fuck, I think I'm ready to watch The Castle soon. Mm, it's been yeah. a long time. And I don't think I loved it back in the day. I was like, yeah, okay, fine. But I That's think I would love it more now because I saw a similar scene and it was talking about the flight and the movies on the flight. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and, um, and what's his name? Steve Curry keeps interrupting him while he's telling the story. He's yeah, like, what yeah, did you yeah. watch? He's like, uh, Twister. And he's like, what about the way back? He's like, um, yeah. Jumanji. <laughs> 
This is uh, hilarious to me that. now. I don't think I got it when I was younger. Oh, yeah. man. Sorry. Keep going. Uh, I don't want to dwell on it too much, but it's significant. <laughs> yeah. So Banner's in and, you know, not ev- not everyone's totally happy about this, but I guess they eventually backed the decision. Um, okay. So it was a bit of a – it was a controversial choice. Yeah. 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 Okay. Idiots. Um, and then you go Vince Colosimo as Neville fucking Bartos. Uh, pretty iconic. Mm. Legendary. Um, and, you know, there's a bunch of other people. I guess we'll, we'll maybe get to them at some point. But but what I thought was really interesting is is Dominic chose to um, have non-actors in this film as well. And so apparently most of the prison guards are ex-prisoners. Oh. Because they had a pretty good read on that type of character. Just, yeah, interesting. 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 Keithy George is obviously yeah. a, a well-known Aussie actor. What's his name again? Yeah, what's his name? He's in lots of stuff. He's got a got a head that could use a regular panel beat, though. <laughs> Ends up doing himself a mischief. <laughs> I say that all the time. <laughs> yeah. I, I say it about like Seymour and shit. He's done himself a mischief. David Field is um, Keithy George. That is his name. He's in Two Hands. He's, the, he's one of George, um, Brian Brown's main <clears throat> henchmen, I guess, in uh, Two Hands. He's in Getting Square. He's um, oh yeah. yeah. So you know he has his has a, he has a type. Yeah. Anyway, Bish Bash Bosh, he got himself a movie. Rap party at the at Bojangles. At Bojangles. <laughs> <laughs> Rap party at Bojangles. Um, there's going to be extra swearing in this episode as well, just just as an FYI, if you're listening in the car with your kids, soz. Yeah. Let's play the trailer. So how would you describe yourself now? Just a bloke. Just a good bloke down on his luck. You know? sold 250,000 copies and I can't even spell. I'm semi-bloody illiterate. You probably read all the newspaper stories about me. And I'm semi-bloody illiterate. You heard the word on the street about me. I'm a bloody disappointment to you, aren't I? I'll give you 20 seconds to produce some cash or I'll shoot you. There's no cash here. Here, there's no cash, all right? Cash, no. Robo? No cash. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, Lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Listen Mom, to me. Mom, stay out. Right? I'm not going to bloody hurt her. Now tell me this, right? Why would I shoot a bloke, bang, and then put him in the bloody car and whiz him off to the hospital at 100 miles an hour? Hospital driver? It, it defeats the purpose of having shot him in the first place. It is plush, mate. <laughs> this is swank. <laughs> Who says crime doesn't pay? <laughs> Just 
rewatching that again, yeah, I think one one other thing that I probably didn't think of before now is that I, I think casting Eric Banner was probably one of the main reasons we were so excited about it. Yeah, for sure. We were massive Eric Banner, like teenage boys in the 90s, massive Eric Banner fans from Full Frontal and the other sketch comedy shit he did. So it's almost like a, you know, Chris Pratt's been cast in a Marvel movie type vibe where you're like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. one of our guys is out there doing it. It felt like, yeah, you know, you're rooting for this guy. You think we all knew he was a bit of a genius. Um, yeah. Yeah, so to see that applied outside of his of skit, sketch comedy was um, pretty exciting. It just made sense. And it was ex- it was like a code had been cracked. Like, of course, mm-hmm. this is exactly what he should be doing. That's right. <sighs> what happened in this movie, Greg? It's a tricky one plot-wise, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So this film tells a portion of the life of the infamous, notorious Mark Chopper Reed. Um, since deceased, but Australia's, well, one of Australia's biggest gangsters, toughest men, certainly one of the most prominent personalities in the underworld. So it tells a portion of his life. So Chopper's in prison. Uh, he's having a little row with Keithy George. Keithy's been putting bloody, bloody boot polish in his hair to hide the ball spots. Uh, anyway, Chopper stabs him in the face a bunch of times. He ends up dying. Uh, but Keithy was, uh, you know, he was the head of the Painters and the Dockers, which was a rival group in the, in the prison gang. Uh, so there's a bounty out on, on, on Chop Chop. So he tries to get his little buddies to help him kill off the, all those guys. They're not really into it. And he doesn't have the most trustworthy of friends, Tristan. He hasn't surrounded himself with a network of reliable, trustworthy friends. Uh, Jimmy Luffman and that other yeah. bloke. Uh, and Jimmy ends up doing the shanking. There's a bounty out and Jimmy takes it and stabs him a bunch of times. A little early in the morning for Kung Fu, mind you. If you keep stabbing me, you're going to kill me. Uh, <laughs> so he realises he's, you know, he doesn't have a lot of, uh, he's in a bit of a spot. Yes. And so he tries to get out of there on, you know, change prisons on the grounds that he's not safe. Uh, he gets Mr. Beasley. He gets nowhere with Mr. Beasley. Mr. Beasley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Beasley is a low key VP too. Yeah, so Mr. Beasley's great. So, what do you do in this situation, Tristan? Cut off the ears. Cut off your ears, of course. Of course, you do. Um, so he cuts his ears off, and that allows him to spend the remainder of his sentence in uh, the mental health. Facility. Mm. Smart. Smart, our, our chopper. Smart. So he's out of prison. Ruthless. He's back to his girlfriend. Uh, I understand mm. she's a prostitute, um, which doesn't sit too well with him. Um, mm. And so they go out for a night out. They go down to Bojangles. Where else would you go? Of course. He's a little self-conscious of his ears. He runs into Neville Bartos, uh, of course, who he'd shot a few years earlier. There's some tension there. Bit of a paranoid guy, <laughs> our, our chop, isn't he? Uh, bit paranoid. He ends up back at Neville's house and decides he wants some of Neville's cash because Neville's been doing pretty well while, while Chopper's away, supplying... Um, and pretty bloody well for himself. Bloody, bloody well for himself. Uh, but Robbo says there's no cash there. You saw in the trailer what happens. <laughs> you know, someone else tries to kill him. 
Jimmy Lufton and his wife. I fucking live here. I fucking live here. Who says crime doesn't pay? Speak highly of your child, but I wouldn't do it to you. Uh, all these guys are trying to kill him. He's chatting to the cops. And he kills someone else. That's kind of the movie. Yeah. It's just, it's almost just a, it is loosely tied together plot wise, but it really, it's just a bunch of vignettes, isn't it? Quite. In a good way. Yeah. It's, it's a little portion of this guy's life. So it doesn't try and tell the life and story of, um, of Mark Chopper Reed. It's an excerpt of, of a period of time of his life. That's actually a good point, Greg. Very astute on your part. Cause it's very astute on your part. I didn't really think about this before you said it, but generally speaking, I don't like, biopics because they usually follow a very similar formula. Mm. The first of which being like, you know, some childhood trauma explains exactly why they're the way they are. Whereas this is treated almost a bit more like the Joker before the more recent Joker movie where you never really know what his backstory is. He just is fucking crazy. (laughs) They don't try and justify or rationalize it in any way. They just kind of present the facts, air quotes, as they are, uh-huh. and you're left to just kind of interpret it out for yourself, um, which was quite enjoyable. You know, it's, well, enjoyable is an interesting word, but, you know, it gave you something to think about. It wasn't spoon-feeding you a formula you've seen a million times before, which is my long-winded way of saying I enjoyed the rewatch, <laughs> re- rewatch Greg. Good. <laughs> How about you? Yeah, it was nostalgic. Um, I I had Carol yeah. with me for I, I had to watch it in two sittings just for time reasons. How'd she go? Uh, she was into it. I'll, I'll, yeah, I like it. I love this movie. That's um, a summary. Yeah. Um, I'll get into this point maybe. Um, mm. It was interesting because she was really struggling with the fact that this guy was portrayed and probably was observing my. Um, comments and sort of just general yeah. interest in the film just because he, I think particularly because there's the scene where he, you know, he's, he's quite violent to his um, girlfriend and m- girlfriend's mum, the head button such, yeah. um, and the punching. It's quite, it's a bit sick. It's very sick. Um, it's fucked up. Yeah. It's yeah. confronting. Um, not, not quite once we're warriors territory, but it's pretty, it's, it's obviously hard to watch. Um, just a short scene. Yeah. Um, so she was she was even like as recently as yesterday, a few days after we watched it, was couldn't quite. She was like, "But he's a he's a criminal, like he's not a good guy." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but yeah." And he's not. Uh, uh, yeah, it's interesting. So Ari didn't make it to that part. I was just kind of watching it while she was in the room and she was working with her headphones on. So she like see a few scenes here and there. She didn't see that part. But I imagine her reaction would be the similar. And you know what? I think I think my reaction in this rewatch was similar. I always knew that was there, and I never. It's not like I ever thought that was awesome or anything. But as an adult watching that again, it really is pretty. I mean, it's fucked up, obviously. Yeah. But in a way, I mean, if he did that, why not show it? Like, he's not a good guy. I think by including that. It, it it helps balance this. It doesn't romanticize him. It's like no, this is a bad guy. Yeah. It, yes, he can be charismatic and charming, mm. but make no mistake, we're not saying this guy is like a top bloke or anything. Um, 
so I think it kind of works. It, no, in that it definitely way. It's not does. Pleasant to see that. I think. But, it, I think yeah. you're right. It's it's an important part of the movie in in yeah. shaping his character. I think it's it's an important part. Um, mm. Yeah, I think she was just like, why is he? Why is he famous though? Like, why? I'm like, well, he's he's charismatic. She's like, yeah, but he's a criminal. I'm like, yeah. But. And I think because he doesn't, you know, his whole thing is that he doesn't do things to people unless they're bad people type thing, albeit. Yeah. You know, as a, as a, as a rule of thumb. Um, it's interesting. And she, she, she was just sort of, you know, reflecting on that as a broader observation, you know, like the, the Ted Bundy trial. Mm. You know, the story about just heaps of girls would go to watch the trial. He was a, a, a serial killer killed women yeah and lots of women would go dressed up to try and get his attention at his trial because he was a babe it is interesting because you're right like even though you would like to think most people can see it the way we just described it it's a lot of idiots in the world and when i was struggling to find where to watch this movie i did search on youtube and some of the clips, there was one clip that came up and it said the best the best part in Chopper and I'm, I didn't press play because it looked like it was that scene that we we're just describing. So the fact that someone has put that up as the best scene, like that's fucked up. Really? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So that's it's weird. like it, it sucks because, you know, you can, you can see why it's in the movie but I guess there's always going to be a pocket of the audience that, takes it at face value as like, ah, uh, I don't oh know. Like goodness. it's yeah. I didn't know that. The best it's, thing about that scene is that it's short. Yeah. yeah, man, it's fucking hard to watch. Yeah, oh. that's why I referenced the Once More Warriors bit because it's it, it's comparatively short. Now the irony is, Greg, <laughs> that it's become a bit of a running joke in this household. You've upset your mother? And Ara doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I say it to Seymour all the time, <laughs> um, it, like in front of Ara. Like, what are you, Seymour? What are you doing? You've upset your mother, and, and actually, he says your mother's upset. So that's a Mandela effect thing yeah. happening there. But um, yeah, really. But I say it all the time, and then um, when that scene came on, I nearly showed. I was like, oh, I was about to go, hey babe, check this out. This is the, and then I realized, no, wait, that's the worst context you could possibly give yeah. to that line. So, the, so for for those that haven't seen Best the up. film recently. I mean, if you haven't seen it, you won't remember. But if you've seen it, you you will remember. However long ago that was, <laughs> you definitely remember. <laughs> so he's he's basically beating up his girlfriend, and the girlfriend's mother sort of you know tries to stop him. So he sort of pushes her off and headbutts her and knocks her over. It's it's brutal. It's horrible. But then he goes, yeah. "See what you've done. Your mum mum's upset," <laughs> as if to blame yeah. the girlfriend it, it, after he's just headbutted the mum. It's, it's fucked up and it's it's almost even more fucked up because like the cadence or the, the the delivery of those lines almost feels like it is a joke and so you almost feel like reacting like it's a joke then you feel real icky it's like um Natural Born Killers. Remember Natural Born Killers and there's that scene where it's like a sitcom and so there's like a laugh track where people are saying real fucked up things. Mm. It kind of feels like that where it's just like ugh. But I will say, not that there's any defend defending of hitting a woman, but I will say that he definitely regrets that part of his behaviour and has tried to 
make good on that yeah. front in some ways. And he actually fronted a domestic violence ad in Australia in the, in the early 2000s. That's right. Got it you got it? Yeah, cool. My name's Mark Brandon Chopper-Reed. A lot of people think I'm a tough guy. I'm not a tough guy, but I've broken a lot of men that thought they were tough guys. The lowest thing in jail is a woman basher and a rapist. If you bashed a woman, well, you're a weak, gutless individual. If you come to jail to bash a woman or rape a woman, you will get dealt with. You will suffer. We will break your neck, you low, gutless, weak mice. Be afraid, because if you come to jail, you're going to have every bloody reason to be afraid. <laughs> I remember when that ad came out. I don't remember it. And I thought, that's fucking great. I, apparently, I don't know, when I searched for it, because I remembered it, when I searched for it, all the results titled it as like a banned ad, like it got banned. Interesting. Apparently. Yeah, uh, maybe there's, there's rules. I guess you, it's weird to have an ad where basically Chopper's threatening to beat yeah. you up. <laughs> hey, um, speaking of ads, can I segue? Yes. So yeah. I'll tell you about the greatest campaign I worked on that never happened. Oh, yeah? So there was a... Um, there was a, t- a TV boxing show that you might remember called The Contender. Oh, yeah. The Contender. Wasn't Stallone? Yeah, it was a Stallone thing. That's right. Oh, how relevant. Yeah. Um, so it started in the US um, and basically there was about 12 boxers trying to, trying to make it big and it was like a tournament style. It was a reality TV show that, for boxers. So you, you stick them yeah. all in the house, they have a tournament and, and one of them becomes the contender who got a, a title shot at the, I think it was super middleweight or something like that. And uh, great show, great show. Um, they did a local version here and I was working on uh, Foxtel at the time. And so our job was to launch, we had a, ca- a campaign to launch the program locally. So um, me and my boss and friend at the time, a guy named Jerry, um, we're both boxing fans and we're like, you know, we're, it was one of those, bit of a dream brief really. It wasn't a big budget but it was like a bit of a dream brief because we both love boxing, we love the Contender Show. Yeah. So we're like, why don't we do like a celebrity boxing match to launch this thing? So we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So we'll do like a – because celebrity boxing matches, they're, they're kind of par for course now a little bit. They've, they've done quite well. They're doing – I mean, you know, the, the Jake Pauls of the world obviously and, and locally the Paul Gallon – type things are, are big now and there's always been an appetite for yeah. it. So back then we were like, <clears throat> we wanted to use that to launch this thing. And yeah. we got um, uh, our friends at Zoo Magazine, which you might remember, which was like a local, well, actually I think it was a UK <laughs> yeah. thing, Zoo Magazine um, to help us. You get a small budget, they had lots of leverage with talent and such. And the lady there uh, were like, this is what we want to do, can you help us get some names? And she came back with Chopper versus Warwick Kappa, who's a um, who's a, uh, a famous Australian AFL player. And we're like, oh, my God. <laughs> he would have died. We're like, Chopper? Like it was just the best thing ever. So that was happening. And then mid midway through our, um, you know, push to get – there's a lot of logistics involved, as you'd imagine. And midway through he got his um, pancreatitis or like liver cancer diagnosis – uh, and he was like, he was very distraught about apparently, and was just like, I can't, I can't do this sort of thing. So we didn't get to see Chopper fight in the ring, but that was, damn. that was the. Um, Actually, that would have been interesting because we drew the parallel before to a Frank Dukes type figure. In a similar way, it would have been really interesting to see him fight to see, you know, what's he actually got. Yeah, I'm, and I'm sure he's probably yeah. not used to gloves. Yeah, I'm sure he doesn't. He's no formal training. 
Yes. Um, but His late replacement was Wendell Saylor, former NRL legend. Well, NRL legend. Oh, Wendell yeah. Saylor, who obliterated Warwick Kappa. So fair play to Warwick Kappa for getting in the ring with Wendell, who had just retired, was an absolute beast Damn. of a man who just, yeah, it wasn't pretty. But we didn't get to see Chopper in there because he got sick. That's shit. You know who you should have fought, though? Neville Bartos? He should have fought Mark. Yeah. <laughs> he should have fought Mark Jacko Jackson. Yeah. Remember Jacko? What these two have a, a Apparently thing Apparently he was right? his manager. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, they did a tour. They did So Chopper did a few tours after his newfound fame in the mid-2000s and one with Mark Jacko Jackson, who was his manager at the time. But Jacko, as Australians know, was big in the Energizer. Oi. Ad space. Oi. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was a weird time. <laughs> Tell you what, they bought a few tarps. <clears throat> yeah. Very deep cut reference that no one outside of Australia would be at all interested in. But I dare you to Google it. <laughs> Jacko Energizer ad. Oh. <laughs> uh. Yeah, right. So, because he, he did this, he did this speaking tour. <clears throat> He's on the circuit, wasn't he? Quite heavily. Yeah, big time. And he, he did another tour with um, one of the detectives. Roger Rogerson. Is that the guy? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, and then he kept making books. He wrote a children's book called Cookie the Cripple. They tried to get banned. <laughs> um, he released a rap album as well called um, What was it called? And I've got, but I've got an example here. It was called "Interview with a Madman." Came out in two thousand and six, and actually it had a lot of other rappers on it. The only one I recognised was Necro. It looked like it had a lot of Aussie rappers on it too. But this is one song I found that seemed to be just him rapping. Check my lingo, true blue Aussie through and through. You'll never catch me rapping on stage in Fubu. <laughs> the local tough guys that want to play the hard man, getting whippy with the chop chop is not a smart plan. Everyone has problems and rants a bitch, but I'd like to see you eat cunt stuffed in Pentridge. Don't get the wrong idea from my songs or writing books. I'm the type of cook to make you live your life shook. Wanna be famous, mate? You think you're tops? I'll put you all over the news with just a single shot. Yeah, I mean, as a rapper, I'd probably put him up there with Joe Pesci. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's not bad. I can say that now because he's dead. But um, let's circle back on the movie itself, Greg. Mm. Good idea. It was um, a couple of things stood out to me. I hadn't watched it in a long time, probably 20 years, or at least 15. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these, these are small things, but I'll throw them out there because, you know. Um, I forgot how much of the film was that first part of the prison. I thought that would be like a 10-minute mm. opener, mm. but it's basically half the movie. Yeah. Half the movie is him in prison and out. It's a short movie. Surprising. Yeah, it's quite short too. I nearly... I was about to do the old, oh, I'm getting pretty tired, maybe I should do the do a two-parter. And I paused it and there was like 10 minutes left. I was like, oh, okay, I can, I can stick this out. Yeah, it kind of just ends, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, again, because it's, not, it's total, not that plot-driven. And because also we should say, like, even though within the film, Neville Bartos and, and Jimmy Lofton kind of show up full circle I'm pretty sure they are like amalgams of different people. I don't, I don't think it actually went that way. Mm. Um, the, all those elements may have happened, but they were likely all different people. So mm. it wasn't as tight of a closed loop as such is life, man. It's not really a movie. Was Brian Mannix really the, the manager of Bojangles? 
Uh, yeah, that, that is 100% factual though. <laughs> um, and I think maybe the – I don't think it matters too much, but, you know, the, the makeup for the ears and the hair was a little bit – I don't know, stood out to me more than it did back then. Yeah. But I, I think for this kind of movie, that's not a deal breaker at all. It's not really – you know, it's the character. It's not, yeah. it's not about – that stuff. And uh-huh. it wasn't terrible, but it was just a bit like, what's going on back there? <laughs> there were a couple of scenes <laughs> where it just was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, right. Um, but not that that was negative, but on the more positive side, I, I did really enjoy, I was a little bit worried, to be fair, that this would be a little too, I don't know, I was worried it might be outdated a little. Yeah. Um, I think there's def- it's definitely a bit of a time capsule in terms of the overall style and aesthetic, but that's okay. But it, it's not. It's not lame. I was worried it was going to be a little too film studenty, but but I liked how it was like not totally surreal. But like we're saying, how it's not too much about like literal plot. It is more just kind of scenarios to show you this character. Um, and I really loved. I guess this is what I always loved, but I didn't really think about it before. <laughs> it was just the. the the juxtaposition of like these criminals and the politeness on both <laughs> sides, like yeah. like Neville Bartos is like, yes, mate, you were being very fucking rude, you fucking dickhead. You want to make some money, you make it yourself. Get him a drink, Nick, and behave. I said behave. And <laughs> it's something really unique, maybe Aussie about that kind of banter too. I don't know. It just it hit nice. Yeah, yeah. And um, like like you'd already said, the dialogue is just. Dense and <laughs> fucking amazing. Like, you can't amazing. really undercook how m- much is lifted from this and put into vernacular to a point where it's still lingering. Like you said, you're, you're still using it. Like the no cash thing. Like yeah. It's, it's sort of like no cash. It's like a, I don't know, it's, it's, so, it's a sayer. It's just there. Exactly. And, and, and on that note, like I was watching, um, it's a great video on YouTube of, Eric Banner and the director hanging out with Chopper in Tasmania, which was them prepping. <laughs> and there's a bunch of scenes in the movie that they've gotten straight from this experience because they he basically acts out that scene that you just referenced. I've got a, I've got a clip here, almost word for word. It's pretty fucking funny. I guess it just kind of shows how much of the dialogue is lifted from Chopperisms. I mean, these people had a lot of money, but they lived like animals, and they were fair game. They couldn't organise a fucking brothel, you know. So I made a fortune out of these characters. Yeah? I used to walk around there and I used to say, listen, uh, here you go. Here you hold them for cash. I'm a bit broke. And so well, I can't help you. And I said, well, listen, I'll tell you what. You try getting from where you're sitting to the front door. You told me I'm not going to shoot you but from where you're sitting to the front door because that's, that's about as long as you've got to get me some money right now. I was like, 60 seconds, you 60 seconds to produce some money, or I'm going to fucking shoot you. One, two, three, four, let's start arguing. Let's say, oh, I haven't got any money. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. I haven't got any money. I haven't got any money. I knew they had the money. Yeah. But you're very polite and friendly. Oh, I said, listen, listen, you're making a fortune. 
some of the heroin all over the western suburbs. You know, I, I haven't come to ask you for your redundancy package. You know, I haven't come to ask you for your, for your widowed mother's pension. You know, I'm, I'm asking you for ten grand out of the sixty I know you just picked up on Sunday. Oh, they, they didn't like parting with it. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't like parting with it. They all did part with it. Yeah. But, oh, that's why. Well, they did part with it. Oh, they loathed parting with it. Well, see the same blokes in my club on Sunday. Yeah. Right. And how would they be then? Oh, they'd have all their gang there with them. Ready to rock and roll. Yeah. And what happens then? I just walk up and say, how are you, boys? <laughs> I'll throw a few bombs in the bar and say, would you like a drink? <laughs> <laughs> would you like a drink? You may as well, it's your money. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, they hated me, they hated me, yeah. you know. But, but, but. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's there's a bunch, there's another one where he's talking about getting the ears cut off and it is verbatim the movie. Like it is the scene you saw in the movie. Hack into it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because I don't think he got paid much, if anything, for the movie. But looking at that, it's like you should get some kind of writer credit because that's yeah two of the most iconic scenes. Fully. And he wrote them. With his words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With his life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Should we, should we talk a little um, Eric Banner? Yeah. Because, you know, we haven't – is this our first banner joint? I think it is. Must be. Probably. It's got to be. It's the only one in the era other than the castle. Mm. Uh, we're big we're big banner fans, aren't we? Uh-huh. Massively. He, his trajectory is our obviously our favourite, um, you know. Yeah. Comedian turned drummer. Yeah. Lord. But I would say – I don't know if you feel this way. I think you probably do. But, like, I, I feel like I'm waiting for the perfect role still. Mm-hmm. Because we all, in Australia, we all know him as, well, chopper, but also full frontal and what he's capable of. Mm. And I, and he's great in, like, Munich and a few other things. He's great in funny people as he's well. He's pretty much he's great, great in, lots of in stuff, everything he does. That's true, but I feel like it's... it's just the film around it isn't always, uh, yeah. Like, but, it, but it's like he's still in first gear or something. He's not quite... Yeah. He's not getting the opportunity to unleash. And I feel like everyone yeah. knows that because if you read his reviews, of his, sorry, the films he's been in, when you read their reviews, it's pretty much across the board his performance gets called out as, you know, one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah. Like almost yeah. always. They're like, oh, Eric. But like he's just got so much presence on top of his talent. But, he, you know, he's just, uh, yeah. I don't know, man. I know, I know what you're saying. He though. really it's does. Like, give us more banner, please. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, more banner. Because uh, his yeah his trajectory. Because he went from it's pretty. It's actually pretty sweet. Because I found this quote of him talking about how this movie changed his life, and he said, "It obviously went beyond my wildest dreams." At the back of my head, I knew that if the film was if the film was great, that it was obviously going to do great things for me. I wasn't so naive to think that wasn't the case. But it even went beyond what I'd envisioned as being wild. There's no way to, there's no way that I expected Jerry Bruckheimer and Ridley Scott and A-list directors and producers to see the film and and want to talk to me. You'd be a wanker to be thinking of that kind of stuff. Mm. And that's exactly what happened because he went from that into was it 
is Black Hawk Down Ridley Scott? I think it is. He went into yep. that and then a bunch of other things. And, and like you said, always good, but not quite hitting the notes that, that we that, – well, I don't, that sounds like a dickhead thing to say. I just mean more like I don't think he's – I don't think Hollywood has realised his potential. Mm. That's not a, that's not a, I don't say that with judgment. He's doing just fucking fine. But selfishly, what I want to see, <laughs> I was looking. I think I know what you're saying. Can I try and summarise it? Yes. You want to see Poida the movie. <laughs> Once upon a time, like last week, there was this chick, right, who was a real spark. And her name was Cheryl White, right? But all the blokes called her Snow White because whenever they asked her out, she'd say, Snow White. <laughs> Classic. Snow White looked like this. Bit of a spunk, eh? Pretty flexible too, I'll give you the tail. So anyway, Snow White lived in a one-bedroom flat with her cousins, the seven little bogans. Yes. <laughs> Is that fair? Well, actually, I'll take you one step further, Greg. I, I went through, uh, I just, <laughs> I did some homework and I've thought of a bunch of movies that he would have been great in from oh, yes. the 2000s to now. Okay, awesome. These are a bit of a mixed bag, but I just think the Eric Banner that you and I know, I think I'll get some head nods in where you think I he could place in these. He could have been some, I, I don't get all the way to characters in some of these, more they're just the movies themselves, but like Tropic Thunder. That could have been a great vehicle. Oh. Yeah. Talladega Nights. Oh. He could have been oh. someone in that. Any any Shane Black movie, that feels like that would be the bullseye. Any Shane Black oh. movie, like action comedy, that's yeah. fuck. Get right in there. Mm. But even like more serious, I could see him in a Nolan film. He's got a good face for a Nolan film and like a good, you know. Semi-confused um, thinking face. Yeah. Crying, <laughs> thinking, um, yeah. good face for memes. Even Inglorious Bastards, I could see him in oh, Inglorious Bastards. He would be yeah. great in a Tarantino movie. I'm surprised, yeah, that Tarantino hasn't put him in a movie. Now that you say that, because yeah, Tarantino loves Aussies. He loves Aussie. Like I think Wolf Creek's one of his favorite movies. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, yeah. And this is like a. Uh, edgy, gritty Aussie film with a lot of dialogue. He would love this movie. He would, he would love yeah. this movie. Yeah, interesting. That's, that's a good point. Very you, it was your point. point. I'm just I'm sort of ending it. Well, no, but you, you, yes, ended the shit out of that. <laughs> um, there's also I don't know. Did you ever see the movie Spy? With um, um, not the what's one. Her name? Robert Fuck. Redford and Brad Pitt. No, that spy game. No, with Melissa McCarthy, it's a comedy, but it's 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 really good. It's I one hundred percent recommend a watch of that. Jason Statham is in it as a dumb spy, and he's great. But um, that's the kind of action comedy again that he would have been great in. Like he, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm just kind of surprised because he was such a core part of Australian comedy growing up. I'm just surprised he hasn't fallen into a comedy posse in the US, you know what I mean? Like he's he's not part of the of the Judd Apatow crew. He's not they, part of they like brought that him in. wet hot American summer kind of crew. Oh yeah, but he wasn't one on Judd, Judd Apatow one, wasn't he? Yeah, was and I my maybe. understanding is Seth that was Seth Rogan's work I read maybe I think I read on Wiki. Right. Um so whether or not Yeah. We do we do trust Wiki. Um 
but I don't have any more detail than that, but I understand that Seth Rogen was either a fan of this or just his general body of work and so they brought him in. Right. But it should have led to more because he's awesome in it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like he injects a whole thing. It's like it's a whole Yeah. <laughs> that sequence is just like oh he's at the house and the and the It's a whole there. detour. It, but it's it's a whole detour <laughs> that becomes the Eric Barner show. Um yeah. which is hilarious. Ba ba boo y'all. <laughs> like it's just like <laughs> He comes out of nowhere and he's just got, uh, you know, presence. So you keep, you know, I don't know. I remember the first time seeing that and it's it's just like, yes, this, this, (laughs) more of this. Yeah. Uh, Maybe people don't like him because he steals the show. Serious faces. Sorry? Maybe people don't like it because he steals the show. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And I've seen a bunch of interviews too where like similar to what you're saying, like cast members – from those same movies, talk about how funny he is and how good his impressions are and things. <laughs> so why not give us stuff? He's actually the there best. Was a, there was one on. Although having said that, Greg, this okay. Two 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 things. One good and one okay. The good is that I think you know we have we Eric Banner and us we're on the same page in many ways. Um, Eric Banner, we mentioned his sketch comedy past. And and during his time on Full Frontal and the Eric Banner show, he has done Jean-Claude Van Damme impressions. He has done Arnold impressions. And he has done Stallone impressions. Yeah. And I say this I, I say this with a full heart and and as a massive fan of, of Full Frontal and Eric Banner. But but in <laughs> Rewatching some of these, they're, they're <laughs> not they, the strongest. Are they? Are they, are they <laughs> they're not the. Ooh. They're not the best. I mean, this is pre-internet, so I guess you know. I don't know. Is that is that an excuse? But I, I would also say I'm going to play these clips. I got a clip of each one. I would also say the physical component is an important part. So uh, keep that in mind. Um, but also they, but, yeah. were, and people were a bit rawer, you know, like the fact that he yeah. was doing them was more the deal than how good they were at, in that era. Does that make sense? Fuck, that's a good point. Yeah, I know what you mean because we didn't have much in Australia in that world. So the fact that there was an Australian guy up there doing the Jean-Claude Van Damme thing was like a big deal. But I'll, I'll play the JCVD one first yeah. and Does I apologise. The sound, sound quality is bad um, but this is <laughs> – <laughs> playing Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> the, the visual is much better than the sound. Today I had the pleasure of talking with Jean-Claude Van Damme on the set of his latest film. This film is based on my own life. Great, so what's it called? Brain Dead. How did we go so far? Good, this morning I have crushed three men with my bare hands, smashed 15 spines with my feet, and taken another's heart and eaten it. Sounds like it's going to be a pretty violent film, John claude That's not the movie. Someone keeps taking my car. <laughs> Something about the jokes, <laughs> just like, just kind of so dumb. <laughs> yeah, he certainly um, was the style at the time. He's a bit of a unit, Banner. He's quite a taller. Things about oh, nine yeah, or something. I think th- that's the thing. I think that's also maybe why we responded to him. Full Frontal, he was felt more aspirational than anyone else on that show. Yeah. He was more 
you know, it wasn't just a comedy handsome. nerd. He was, he was <laughs> handsome and kind of jacked. Uh, but speaking of jacked, here's his Arnold. I think this one is from the Eric Banner show, which followed Full Frontal. Okay, repeat after me. Two. Two. Arnold Schwarzenegger B. acting class. B. Or not. <laughs> to be. To be. Okay, now we put it all together. To be or not to be? To be or not to be? No. To be or not to be? To be or not to be? Better we move on. That is the question. That is the question. No, no. That is the question. That is the question. It's a different time for comedy. Different time, yes, yes. Lastly, I'll, I'll play. I'll play the Stallone one. It is a cliffhanger thing. Bad sound quality once again, but here we go. Apologies, listeners. Yeah, you're welcome, Greg. Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, I tell you what, Greg. That's all I got. <laughs> Should we get into verdict? Yeah. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Huh? Say what again? Again, I dare you. Nothing further, Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Um, yeah, rewatch. <laughs> yeah, rewatch. 100%. Just for it's. I think yeah, it's it's a watch if you haven't seen it for, especially if. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't seen this and you're Australian, uh, that's un-Australian. What are you doing? That's un-Australian. You're not Australian. I think it's yeah. on the um, watching this is. It's up there with watching The Castle or Crocodile Dundee yeah. or Mad Max or other Australian yeah. films. And, and, <laughs> yeah, and I think if you're Seminole. not from Australia, while, while it's not necessarily a literal depiction of what it's like to live in Australia, I would say it is pretty representative culturally in some ways. So I think it's definitely worth watching as like, a, what's Australia about? Yeah. <laughs> Watch this movie. That'll give what's you the Australian interest. underbelly about? Actually, that is one thing I meant to say is that part of the legacy of this movie, for all the reasons we just said why we were so excited about it growing up, what this then went on to inspire were many dark and gritty stories. Um, and there was a TV show called Underbelly. Mm, I think it's still going. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's still going. The first season of which I quite liked, but then it, I don't know, it's quite cringe. It feels like the shit version of this basically. And I th- they're running out of stories because like, 
pretty sure by season four, it's just someone stole a sandwich somewhere. It's like there's not much to our underbelly is not that crazy. I don't think I could be wrong, but um, oh yeah, because underbelly was based on true story. I should say anyway, but um, it's probably mostly Australians listening, so they probably already knew that. Uh, cultural relevancy tests. Now, these are going to be um, uh, uh, probably failures across the board. <laughs> I think so. But this is a different different kind of beast we're talking about here, I suppose. Did Simpsons do it? Of course not. Um, it's, in a, it's a small Australian film. Porn parody? Of course not. It's a small Australian film. Bechdel test? Of course not. It's a small Australian <laughs> This is the opposite of the, opposite of the Bechdel test <laughs> in, mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. FX test, almost a, it, out of anything, I guess it doesn't hold up great with the years, in my opinion. But I wouldn't give it a fail, but, you know. It's a small Australian film. Mm. And I'm semi-body yeah, illiterate. small Australian film. And I can't <laughs> even read. <laughs> I can't, can't even fucking read. We, That's I, the best part. He says that like four times. Yeah, hey. yeah. So good. So good. Um. Who's your MVP, Greg? Um, uh, like, I mean, Eric Bunner, it's, it's Eric Bunner's movie. You know, like it's, yeah. it's hard not to give him MVP. He can't not give it to him. There's just a, there's just a cast great. of notable support acts. And I probably will give it yeah. to Neville Bartos just for, there's, there's heaps in there. But Neville Bartos is just so significant. Like that put Vince Colosimo. yeah. In a different sphere, he'd always played these sort of semi-serious, um, you know, soap sort of roles, and then he did this, and everyone's like, "Oh, he's hilarious and awesome." Kind of, yeah. It just, was. We haven't talked about that, but yeah, just the Vince Colosimo discovery, I guess. Yeah, he was great. It was great, what about and you? actually, one that I didn't really, I didn't notice as much growing up, but now, um, the actress that played Tanya, Kate yeah. Behan, yeah. She was fucking great. Yeah, man. she was great. Yeah. yeah, she was awesome. Like that was like a pretty uh, thankless role, but she gave it a lot of a lot more than there was probably there in the script. Like she was fucking awesome. Mm. So good. But I would say my low key VP has to go to Robbo. Nakesh. Nakesh. He's just perfect, though. He's just perfect. Like I know that guy. Yeah, yeah, the cash guy. Yeah, he's very familiar. <laughs> It's all very familiar, despite being a <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. you know, drug dealers and criminals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's it, I suppose. What are we doing next week, Greg? Oh, good question. Um, what are we do doing we next yet? week? Do we I guess we're doing our we're sequel, doing sequels. sequels. Sequel September, of course. Sequel September. I'm a, I don't know what they all are yet, but that's right. We'll 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 get it on the gram. I'm away for a couple of weeks. We're going to try and do a double. We're also might have a special guest on in my place. We will have a. Yeah, we'll have a special guest from another pod that we're, we we love, a familiar friend of the show, hopefully. Um, but until then, leave us a review and make yeah. it five stars. Why yeah, not? thank you for our reviews. They mean the world to us personally and they also help us with our uh, discovery and reach, obviously, with the algorithms and such. So they do make their yeah. big, port, big really part does of our, our whole program here. So thank you for those that leave a review. They they, uh, they keep us going, 100%. as it were. Well said, Greg. Now I've got to get to soccer. Go. Are you refing today? I'm not refing today, fortunately. Just dadding. I'm just dadding. Um, and it's some oh, guy. Oh, you going to smash beers? Be like, oh, this was America. 
It should be. <laughs> <laughs> One can only hope. Uh, until next week, All Tristan. Right. Well. Fare thee well yourself and listeners. Take care of yourselves and each other. Very well said. You are kidding me. You are kidding me. The year 2000. The year 2000. The year 2000. Can you believe that? <laughs> you're, you're, you've agreed to do a movie that's going to come out in the year 2000? Uh, It'll be a good year, Mark. <laughs> you fucking well want to be. <laughs>